house of God and with God's people. I pray, Lord, that you would help us today to hear from you, to take the strength and the power and the gifts that you've given us and to be able to live them out every day of our lives in our relationships and with the people that we are trying so hard to love. I pray, Lord, that you strengthen us in this. I pray that you would empower the body of Jesus today to be the body of Jesus, especially in our own homes, but also in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. You're a little fired up today. I'm kind of pumped. All right. I got a few things to move here, so give me just a second. While I'm moving, I need to make an announcement, and we all know how good I am at announcements. Nervous laughter throughout the place. Uh, that picture on my left, uh, your right, by an artist here in our church, and I won't say her name, but her initials are Hallie. <coughs> um, anyway, so uh, this is a, a painting that she did uh, earlier, and she would like to auction it off and use the funds to support Amber Stark, who runs a home, I mean, a, a retreat for missionaries in Europe. And so, uh, so she's, we have a, she has a goal of around $400 she'd like to raise for that. So at the end of service, this painting will be moved back there and there'll be someone at the table. And so uh, if you would like to be a part of that or you'd like to make your living room look way better, uh, there you go, that's what you can do. If this is your first Sunday with us, please take a second, text the word welcome to the number on the screen, 307-224-4404, so that we have a way to get in touch with you. Sometimes we make decisions around here kind of quick, and uh, like last Sunday, and uh, so you might want to be in the loop on that. So that's, uh, that's all the announcements I have. I'm going to jump right into this series today. We're on powerful people, and today we're talking about getting the truth that's inside of you out for others. So the reason... Uh, that we're doing this series is I really believe that one of the, the main uh, functions of the church, of a local church, is to operate as a community, as a place where you can live in connection and community with other people. The problem is that's not easy. To, the idea that uh, living in community in a church means that you never get hurt is just kind of a silly thought. It's one that we kind of think when we come to church, you should never get hurt in church. I certainly used to think that. But the problem with all churches are that they're filled with people. <laughs> and people are wonky, and they, they, they hurt each other and so forth. So this series is about how to love people, but also deal with those realities. So today we're going to talk about what I think is, is, I prioritize these. Next Sunday, we're talking about boundaries, and I think it's incredibly important. Having boundaries in your life is just as important as expressing love. But it's more important that you learn how to get the truth that's inside of you out. Everyone in this room needs to be known. You need to be known currently. Currently. I, past you is great, but I want to know present you, especially those who are close in my life, my wife, my children. I need to know where they are, who they are in this moment presently, or we're not really having a relationship. We just have a history lesson together. And so today we're talking about getting that truth that's inside of you, out of you, and in the process, becoming someone who's known and you are someone who is worth knowing. So let's start with what the problem is. And I'm going to use a story out of Genesis or Genesis. I'm just kidding. I like to mess with Bible names. 
Malachi is my favorite. I love to read out of Malachi. Genesis 37.3. I'm going to read this to you. You can read, follow along the screen. You can hop in on your Bible. Jacob, who was the dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Miss Barb, I just got that microphone on. So if you were waiting on me to turn it on, I just got it on, okay? But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them, and they couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. I want you to think about this story because it really taps into why we have trust issues. In Joseph's life, he had a father who taught him that he was worth knowing and he was worth loving and he showed him that he was an adored son. Now that love that surrounded Joseph enabled him to begin to share his dreams. Well, the problem is he had some half-brothers who weren't very loving. They took the same words that his father took and used as a, a point of correction or maybe a point of encouragement, his brothers took as a point of offense. And so in the same family, you have a young man who shares his dreams, and he's supported, encouraged, and lovingly corrected by one member, the father, and he's abused and eventually captured, beaten, thrown into slavery. And another side, this is why we have trust issues, because life is filled with mixed messages. You have people who, can, who will say to you through their actions or through their words, I love you very much. But then you have other people who are harmful to you and they cannot be trusted with who you are. Doesn't change our mission. Our mission is still to be who God created us to be. Our mission is still, we're on this earth as a u- unique creation of Father God and we are here to be what he created us to be. And express the image of Jesus. So we have got to learn that we need to get the truth, what's happening inside of us, out of us. And I'm thinking as I share this, some of you are passive in this room. And in most relationships, you just kind of go with the flow of the aggressive that you might be married to or they might be your best friend. And you aggressives in the room, you think everything's cool because everybody's doing what you want. Here's what's the deal. In every relationship... Small group, best friends, husband, wife. We need both parties to show up. Both parties have to show up. And that's what we're talking about today. This is challenging. It's very challenging for me. Uh, Personally, I have relationships in my life that are difficult. I lean toward the non-conflict side of things. I would prefer not to fight with you. Now, I'll be happy to sabotage you and key your car later, but I don't want to fight with you. Passive aggressive. My point is, and and so as I am learning over the last decade of my life to show up in the relationships, everything has been hunky-dory. That was a lie. It's created great strain in some of those relationships. But here's the problem. God created me to be Michael Maynard. There is no one else on this planet who can be Michael Maynard. He is a nice combination of weird and goofy, and somehow God gets a kick out of that. And so I have to show up. I have to be what God created me to be. Even though I don't like conflict, 
I don't like dealing with aggressive and angry people. I'm not saying all aggressives are angry, but all the ones I know are. <laughs> Just kidding. That was a joke. <clears throat> that was a joke. So what we need to do is we need to change some things. We need to get the truth that's inside of us out so we can have a real connection with people. And that's going to take some shifts in our thinking and some changes in our practice. The first shift that's got to happen is we have to change our goals in a relationship. Um, Neil and I were talking this morning about a Facebook post. And anytime Facebook post comes into the conversation, you know it's about to get weird, right? And... Um, and so it was, it was someone who used scripture for their point, uh, and, but at the conclusion of their point, they decided that everyone who disagreed with them was evil. And so here's the thing. Our goal in communication and in relationships cannot be agreement. It cannot be agreement. Why? It can't be agreement because... Anytime, at any given point, even in regards to my relationship with my wife, when I walk into a conversation with her, I do not have the latest and most current information on her. And the last time that we've talked, it might be five minutes. She might have some thought processes, some different ideas, some, some stresses, some anxieties that I do not know about. So if I walk into that conversation and I have the solution already figured out to what we're going to do, and I always have the solution already figured out. And so when we walk in that conversation, you know, I, if I'm seeking agreement... I just want her to agree with me. Honey, we need to do this. Just agree. Just say yes. Nod. We'll do that. Okay? If I walk in like that, and if she nods, then I'm happy. She agreed. My wife is not a nodder. <laughs> My wife has ideas and opinions and beliefs and feelings. <laughs> so many feelings. <laughs> and so... She, so I'm going to say, we need to do this, agree with me, and she's going to say, hold up. And what, in a healthy relationship, what she's going to do is say, okay, I need to give you the most current information. Here's what's inside of me, here's what I'm thinking, here's what's going on. In a healthy relationship, I'm going to hear what she's telling me, and I'm going to back off of my goal of agreement, because now I need to step into a role of understanding. And I'm going to tell you what, if the church in America could simply start trying to understand what's going on in the people in their lives. I'm not talking about media or politics or extreme messages. I couldn't care less about that stuff. That stuff is an overarching message that's ruining individuals' lives. And I am more concerned about individual connection and understanding. And so, if... if if the church could learn to understand, and if you and your marriage, your friendships, your small groups with that toxic person in your life, if you could take that moment and step back and say, okay, my goal here is not agreement, my goal here is to understand. Then we can begin to change some things and we can make adjustments. It's not that we enter a situation with the wrong solution, it's that we enter every situation without the most current information. Does that make sense? That really, hopefully that lands. You get that, okay? So we're going to move into some thoughts as to how we can get to this place in our lives. So the Bible says the truth shall set you free. It says in Ephesians 4.25, stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Because when we don't give people 
the good information that's inside of us, we're lying. Okay? So stop telling lies is what Paul says. Let us tell our neighbors. Who's your neighbor? I think Jesus made that clear, didn't he? Pretty much everybody. Tell your neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body. Okay? Like Joseph, we've been punished in the past for sharing the good information inside of us. But also like Joseph, we've been supported in the past. And you can do a couple of things with that. You probably do several things with that. One thing most people do is they begin to build their walls and say, I'm never going to get hurt again. And that is a stupid thing to think. You can't love people and not get hurt. That's not possible. And so we need to move into a place of truth. And what causes this is, I don't know if, if this is a, there's, when you start, when you, like if you Google search the words trust cycle or trust system or anything like that, you'd get about a million different replies. So I rednecked this, but I put it in blue so you wouldn't know it was rednecked. All right? <laughs> Graphics. Things, this is how things happen in life. You have a need. Now, I, before I go any further, let me tell you this. Every person in this room has needs. Especially you people who say, I don't need anybody. You have more needs than everyone else. Okay? <clears throat> you have a need. Think of it. In fact, let's take it away from, I don't want to tense, stress you out. So let's turn away from the idea of you. And let's, let's think about a, a little baby, a new baby in your household. Okay? And a baby has a need. All right? They have lots of needs, but they have a need. And all of a sudden, what happens? They begin to express that need, but they only have one language. That's the only language they know, all right? So out it comes. And you're the parent, okay? And you have this baby, and they have the needs, and you have the where, and all of a sudden, you're like, boom, I got to do something, because if not, the child's going to drive me crazy. They show you all those videos of shaken baby syndrome when, before you have children, and you're like, I could never do that. And then you have a child, and you go, I know why they showed me the videos. <laughs> Michael, that's awful. Yeah, but it's true. So you have a need, the need gets expressed, someone responds to that need, then the need gets met. The need's met, someone, for the baby, they get the bottle, the diaper changed, whatever, the, the sheets changed, they get held, they get comforted. And then the baby begins to learn to trust their caregiver, their mom or their dad. That's the trust cycle. Simple, 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 simple. And can break down at every <coughs> single point. Every point. You might not be able, and this is, I think, a lot of people's challenge today because we live in a very uncaring world and a very distracted and busy world. And so we don't have time to stop and think, I have needs. What is it that I need? That is a difficult question to wrestle with. What is it that I need? And so, uh, so if I can't even identify that I have needs and I'm walking around, I don't need anything. I am 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Then it breaks down and I am not going to be able to connect. I'm not going to be able to build trust with anybody in my life. Now, what if I go to express the need? And I might fail to express the need properly. I might express the need in a way that drives people away with anger or frustration or isolation. Uh, and that would be me. I'm the classic hermit. I mean, that would be my dream life. Go move into a box somewhere in the mountains and uh, live off Netflix or something, you know? <clears throat> 
Michael, those are mutually exclusive goals. I didn't say I made sense. I just said that's a thing I could do. But it's, that that's not healthy for me at all. I mean, if I get away, I'm an introvert, but if I'm away from people too long, I become homicidal, suicidal, somicidal, you know? <laughs> so if, if you don't express the need well. Now, then if you, express, if you express the need and people don't respond to it, they miss the clues. They don't understand what you're saying. Uh, then, then if no one gets it, then the need's not met, no comfort. So this thing can break down anywhere, okay? So what we want to work on today and talk about today is how to move into a place where that we can express what the tr- what's true inside of us. We can hit those places of needs. We can do that biblically as, as Christians. God made you to have needs. I don't, that is so theologically sound, Okay? He did not make you to be an island and to be on your own. He made you for an interdependent relationship with him and with others. Okay? And so, how do we move on? So the truth will set you free. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. So, as we move into this idea of needs, let me ask this question. Is anxiety increasing or decreasing in your relationships and in your life right now? Is it increasing or decreasing? Because it's either increasing because things are getting worse, you're getting more stressed, the connection is breaking, or it's decreasing because the needs are starting to be met and we're making progress. And and you may be in a static place where there's not where your, your anxiety levels are, are low and you've learned to get along with each other. You're in one of those peaceful seasons where you agree for now. But there's also another stage that's less healthy, by the way. The apathy stage. You can have so much anxiety in a relationship that you finally get to a point where like, I don't care. I don't care. And when your relationship, hit, relationship hits apathy, um, it's done. Uh, the only way to fix it is to return to God, repentance, uh, and to begin to work on some very intensive things. So what I'm going to encourage you to do, <clears throat> this week we're talking about healthy relationships. Next week we're going to talk about those unhealthy ones, okay? I wish I could talk about them both so I could balance this in one message, but I can't. Because you couldn't remember it, and I, you know, I, it would just take me a while. So let's just focus on healthy relationships and getting the truth inside of us out today. All right, so how do we do that? How do we begin to express the truth? How do we begin to do what we talked about last week when we said, how do I say I love you very much? And if you didn't hear last week's message, I really want to encourage you to pick it up through the podcast or the website or something and tune into that, Okay. But how do I fill my, my relationships with those I love you very much messages? So there are a few levels of communication. Now, this is not a scientific approach. This is a, a Michael approach, okay? Uh, so that means it's always a little country and a little backwoods. <sighs> the first level of communication and relationship is cliches. We know all about this in church. This is kind of how we, have, we relate to most of the people we go to church with. Hey, how you doing? God is good all the time. How was your week? It was fine. It was good. We never really, never really connect. There's no connection in that. It's just a bunch of words we throw out in the air. It sounds good. 
It's kind of fun. Okay? It's kind of fun. But it's just cliches. There's nothing real to it. So that's the first level. And that's usually where most friendships starts. We, our relationships even start. Start with the cliches. But then we move into facts. I want to warn you, if you're in a marriage relationship and your kids are in that, you know, their school age, sports age, so forth, the fact stage can kill you. Because your relationship becomes this place where you're like, okay, I've got to go to work and I get off at 3 today and Sally gets out of school at 3.15, so I'm going to pick her up, but Bobby has a game at 4. Can you get Bobby to his game? And then we're going to have dinner with the Smiths at 6 o'clock. And then tonight, we're going to roll into the bed at 10 o'clock after that long day because there's a basketball game at 7 and I'll see you next week. <laughs> it's just communicating the facts. And there's no relationship in that. There's no connection in that, okay? God created me for connection. Love God. Love others. Express love. Be forgiving. And there's no, connect, there's no connection in facts. But then there's another level, and this is where relationships begin to get risky. And that's when we move into opinions and ideas. Now, when we get to opinions and ideas, what happens is that two people show up in the relationship, and that's when there can be a problem. All right? As long as only one person's there, it's all good. <laughs> two people show up. Now we have two different ideas, at least, unless your friend's a schizophrenic and you might have three or four ideas. <laughs> and if you're sitting there going, That's, you shouldn't have said that. Hey, we should hang out. All of our personalities could get along. <laughs> I'm okay with it. So you have these different ideas and opinions that begin to show up. Now we have opportunity for disagreement. We're terrified of disagreement. Why? Because our goal is to agree. If we could stop, if we could kick the goal of agreeing down the road, and we could make our primary goal understanding, we could much more quickly get to a place of agreement. Okay? So anyway, when those opinions and ideas come out, we begin to interact, and that's when conflict begins. There are no, there are no healthy relationships without conflict. You get to real love and real connection through conflict, not in spite of it. And if you're sitting there going, well, we never fight, you have a problem. <laughs> you do. Either one of you hasn't shown up, and one day they will, and you will fight. <clears throat> And it will be ugly. And police will be called. The pastor will show up. The funeral will be grand. You're okay, and then you went too far. It's what I do. Or you don't care about each other. You actually don't care about each other. If you don't have conflict, you're going to have conflict. I'm not saying they have to be throwing pots and pans at each other conflicts, but there are going to be some conflicts in your life. So, facts, opinions, and ideas. Now, the fourth level of, a, of communication is where we get to feelings. I started my missionary, uh, I don't know if you call it a career or outreach, in Colorado, and I worked under a missionary supervisor. His name was Stan Felder. Stan and I, he's a great guy, but he's very, very blunt, and I needed that in my life at the time. And, um, but back in the early 2000s, all the church planning small group works had a lot of feelings type stuff in it. I mean, all the questions were, so how do you feel about that, Bob? 
He's like, Michael, you made that sound really effeminate. I'm sorry, that's just how it sounded to me, okay? It's just how it sounded to me. And um, so Stan hated it. He's like, feelings? Who cares about your feelings? And I'm like, so what, Stan? You know, I mean, because I'm kind of a transparent guy, so I don't mind telling you how I feel about things. But Stan, it just used to drive him crazy. So I used to just ask him, well, how you feeling, Stan? <laughs> just to tick him off. And you're like, are you that kind of guy? Oh, yeah, I'm that kind of guy. I didn't get the big deal, but now I do. You see, in order for us to talk about our feelings, there's got to be a level of trust. And so when you ask someone their feelings, if they share their feelings with you, guess what? You've achieved a level of trust. Now there's one deeper level, and it's the level of needs. If you can talk to your spouse, your friend, someone that you are in a small group with, and ask them what they need, and they can tell you, you've hit the deepest level of trust. They trust you. So these are the different levels of communication and the different levels of trust. So I think they're very powerful to know. By the way, it's kind of like the friend zone in high school, guys. If you try and step out of it and it doesn't work, you'll get smacked back in. It's the same way in these levels of communication. If you try to move from facts into feelings and the trust isn't there, then you're going to take a step back to where you came from and maybe two steps back into cliches or something else, okay? So these are why we struggle. So how are we going to get the truth out of each other? So I want to talk about this idea of connection, all right? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.2, live a life filled with love. Live a life filled with love. God wants me to love. He wants me to love you. He wants me to love those that he's given to me in my family, that he's the family that he's put me in. He wants me to love people I don't know, just like Jesus did. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So if I'm going to love, that means I'm going to seek to connect with you. I'm going to seek to know you. I want to do this. Now, next week, we're going to talk about what access is and boundaries, okay? But I don't have time to get into that today. So let's just talk about how to connect and what is needed. So I'm going to, I need a helper today. And so I've asked Briley, and she's like, I'm not doing it, but I'm putting her on the spot. Briley Alveston, if you would come here just for a second, I need you to help me out. I need to demonstrate Connection. Would you guys just a little round of applause for Bradley? <laughs> side hug, side hug. Thank okay. you. This won't be that bad. You don't even have to say anything. But here, go ahead. Once you finish the sermon, I'll sit down. Okay, sweet. Just get sweet. She's a cheerleader. She can so handle it. All right. So all I need you to do is, is grab this. I don't know what you call this stuff. It's like a really small toilet paper roll. Okay. All right. I just want you to hold it and not move. That's all you have to do. Can you do it? I picked someone small for this demonstration. You'll see why in just a minute, okay? Because I'm weak. Anyway, so power of connection. We don't have much of a connection here. And if I need to influence Briley, and as a child of God, I want to influence her with love. I want to influence her with God's care for her and with hope. I want to bring God into things. And so, but all we have is maybe a, a cliche relationship or a fact relationship. We're not, we're not into feelings and needs yet. So we just have a loose 
connection. So I'm going to try and influence her, and her job is to not move. And as I pull, she's there, and all we've done is lost connection. Okay? However, what if we have a stronger connection? And so, Riley, your job is to not move, but don't make me look bad. (laughs) Like, why do you say that? Well, I didn't eat my Wheaties this morning, that's why. So now we have a stronger correct connection. We're talking about our feelings. The only thing is you don't let go. Do you want to wrap it around your hand just in case? All right, there you go. I promise I won't hurt you much. Now we have a stronger connection. We're talking about our feelings, and maybe we're talking about our needs. And so now we're in a place where I have a good connection. And maybe Bradley's having a problem in her life or a challenge or a question, and she's, we're talking about how she feels about that, how she needs about that. And I am a child of God. And I have a sound mind. I have self-control. I have love and not fear. And so I begin to try and help Briley and influence her. And now she moves. Thank you, Briley. Good job. <laughs> this is the power of connection. If we don't have much of a connection, I'm not going to have any influence in your life. You're not going to have any influence in my life. Did Jesus influence people? Jesus influenced people. But he didn't just go out and smack them into place. He went out and he built connection through his teaching, through his ministry, through his love. And that's how he influenced the world. So do you need influence in your relationships? Do you need to be influenced by your relationships? The answer is yes. We need people to influence us. How is that going to happen? How am I going to show up? So here's, here's some ideas to think about. First of all, in every relationship in my life that matters, and the ones that, that may not even matter yet, we'll talk about next week. But in those relationships, I'm going to show up, and here's my first mission. I am here to understand. I don't need to agree with you. Not at this point. I need to know what's inside of you. I need to know how you feel, what you think, what your opinions and your ideas are. And so I'm showing up. I am here. I am present. We may not agree, but we can adjust. We can always adjust, right? Okay, so I'm here to understand. Two, I'll be assertive. That means I matter and you matter. And I get that thinking out of my head of the passive that says, well, I don't matter. We'll just do what you want. I'll be a non-person in this relationship. That is not okay for a son or daughter of the king. Do you hear me? That is not okay. But at the same time, the assertive is going to struggle with, okay, only my ideas matter. You should just follow along with me because I'm always right. That's not healthy either. That you're not always right. You can never have the most current information unless you are in the middle of the conversation that the most current information is coming out in. Okay? And so I'm going to show up. I'm here to understand. I'm here to be assertive. I'm saying that you matter and I matter. I care about the truth in you. And and I, I care enough to share the truth that's inside of me to give you the good information. The third, the next thing is I'm going to pursue a connection with you. Whatever I can connect with you on. We don't have to agree for connection. But we want to build connection, and we can do that through understanding. Why am I going to do that? This is going to be so helpful in your relationships, guys. When you have a conflict, 
what usually happens is disconnection. And disconnection brings fear, insecurity, feelings of abandonment. And as soon as the conflict shows up, two people that are in that, that conflict, whether they're friends or a couple or what have you, they begin to devolve to the worst version of themselves. Right? As soon as it's on, it's on. As soon as I get defensive, and here's how it starts. Listen, I need to tell you something. I need, I need to tell you something, honey. It's, 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 I don't get defensive. I don't want you to get mad. You're a jerk. that's right as soon as we get there then we just devolve into the worst versions of ourselves god does not want the worst versions of ourselves talking to each other we need the best versions of ourselves to show up okay and so for that to happen, a connection has to take place. I love you, you matter, and I care about you, and I'm going to start sharing those, those messages that fill the voids. Anywhere there's a void, darkness is going to fill it. The enemy's going to fill every void in your life. And so when there's conflict, it's time now, when the, when the worst of me and the worst of you is showing up, it's time to start filling that relationship, those voids, with messages that say, I love you very much. I love you very much. You matter to me. I care about you. I want to hear what you have to say. I want you to hear what I have to say. It's important that both of us show up in this relationship. I want to connect with you. If you do that, if you can get to a place of connection before you deal with the conflict, you're, you're going to have a, a, a way better situation. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. That is not how it goes. Someone uh, fires the gun or they count, or whatever it is, and we go at each other. That's how we deal with our problems. And let me tell you what's actually happening. What's actually happening is you go at each other, the worst versions of you show up, you tear each other apart until you finally exhaust all that negative energy, then you go to your separate corners, you calm down, and then you come back like rational people. Why not skip the destruction part? Why not just skip that? And, and, you know, and I know that's easier said than done, meaning that it would be great if two mature people were in a relationship, but usually only one of you is mature at a time or neither of you. But nonetheless, two mature people realize all we're doing is hurting each other. We're going to step back. We're going to let our feet take us out of this disrespectful conversation so our ears go with them. We're going to step back from that, and, and we're going to seek connection until the best of versions of us show up, and then we're going to resolve that. That would be awesome. What usually happens, though, is that one person's unreasonable, one person's cowering. We have an aggressive and a passive, and maybe they're flipping roles. What do you do then? My rule that I am learning to live by is this. I am in this conversation as long as it's respectful. And, it's, and at the point that it becomes disrespectful, when does it become disrespectful? We're going to talk about this a little bit more in detail next week. But the, the simple answer to that is this. When it starts becoming a you message, that's judgment. You do this wrong. You think this wrong. You make all these assumptions about, or you, you do all these things and you are hurting me and you are doing it on purpose. That's a disrespectful conversation because now that person has taken on the role of God and we do it too, so don't, don't think of just those who oppose you. They've taken on the role of God, and they've decided they can read your mind and determine all your motivations. They've basically canceled out all the good information within you and come to their own conclusion without you. 
And so at that point, it's, it's time to let our feet take us somewhere else. What if they follow you? You have a car? <clears throat> Keep walking? I don't know. Walk uphill. Maybe they're lazy like me, and they're like, I love you, but I ain't going uphill. <laughs> let your feet take your ears somewhere more respectful. So, but my point is, is that uh, we want two rational people to show up in this conversation. And then I'm going to be ready to make adjustments. This is what love does. Love realizes there's good information inside of you. I love you. And I'm going to make adjustments because I love you. Disrespect is when someone tells you what adjustments to make. That's a controller. You have to do this. You have to do that. that that's not going to work. It's just going to make everyone defensive. The best way to handle these relationships is to get the truth outside of you with those messages that are like I messages. Like, I, these are the feelings I'm struggling with. This is the need that I have. This is what's going on inside of me. Okay? And so I'm going to do that. And then when I share that with someone I love, I'm not going to tell them what to do about it. Because when I do that, now I've moved into control. I'm, I'm trying to, to fix, I'm trying to make everyone around me make my life better. That will never work. Because I'm in control of me. I'm, this is the only thing I have control over. And as you can see, I'm struggling there. All right. But in, in the case where someone's coming at me and they're giving me the good information, then I can make adjustments. I can change. I can, I can, I can find a way to love you, to say to you, I love you very much. And, and what I'm trying to do here, guys, and, and this is... Uh, kind of something we hit on next week is I, what we're trying to do is get to the need. Soon as you find the need, that anxiety is going to deescalate. And so we're just trying to get to the need. And if we had this concept in, our, in our, all our relationships in our life, everybody that we struggle with or don't, the first one to find the need and meets it, we both win. If your marriage isn't a win-win relationship, something's wrong. If, if, if your relationship with each other is either I win and you lose or you win and I lose, that is not healthy. That is not what God intended. So now I want to ask that question and, and do this in my marriage. And this, this isn't easy. What I'm teaching you today is going to create problems for you. I'm not kidding. Do you want to keep living in an isolated little shell? Or do you want to know and be known as God intended? The reason I'm teaching this is because I want to build our church community. And to do that, we need to know how to relate to one another, even though there will be conflicts. Amen? And so, if I find the need to meet it, we both win. So that's the goal. So the point, where are we trying to get to today? So I think this might help wrap this up, sum it up. In, in our relationships, if I can get the truth in, that's inside of me to someone that's, that's trustworthy, that's respectful, then I can build re connection with them. And I can build connection with other people to different degrees, but we'll talk about that next week. But then I can get that truth out and I can share it. In my relationships, what the, the biggest struggles that we typically have and why relationships struggle is because we don't approach people with that attitude. We, we don't approach people with, okay, here's what's going on inside of me. This is the best information. We're not doing that. What we're doing is, 
you've got a problem. You're freaking me out. You're scaring me. You're making me angry. And what we're doing now is we've taken the, the pointer finger, we've taken the judge role, and we've begun to dictate how everyone else should live. And if you want to be frustrated the rest of your life, you just go for that, okay? But whether you believe me or not, you have no control over anybody outside of your own skin. But if you're a Christian, you have the gift of self-control and the fruit of the Spirit of self-control. So you, you can deal with. You can deal with. I'm my hardest person to deal with. I know. That's why it took supernatural power put into you to deal with you. Does that make sense? And so, if I can move from a place of, I'm going to tell you about you. I promise you, every conflict in your relationships, that's where they start. I'm going to tell you about you. To a place of, I need to tell you about me. So, my son came and he, I hope he went back to kids' church. He was the drummer up here. Came in 13. Uh, he's been in education for, for me and for Christy in so many ways. One of the things has to do with what we're talking about today. So, Cayman does not have the ability to understand yet what is making him afraid or anxious or is elevating his anxiety. So every Sunday, our, our life is, we move from our calm, generally calm, home life, and we come to church. And at church, I'm surrounded by people, his mom's surrounded by people, he's surrounded by people, and it scares him. And he doesn't know that. So I can always tell when Cayman's getting scared because he begins to behave erratically. Generally, he's just stubborn as a rule, but he begins to become more erratic. And so on Sundays, he'll run off. We'll find him in little rooms by himself. He's a child. He doesn't even know why he's doing what he's doing. He can't put it together. I'm his parent. And so my job as his parent of a special needs child is to try and understand him, to try and get to the truth that's inside of him. But he can't identify it. He can't tell me the truth inside of him. Because he's 13, because he has special needs and for other reasons. They're, you guys aren't kids. You guys are grown. I, I'm, I'm assuming your brain has come in full function. If anxiety is leveling up in your life, you need something. Sure, you need God. That's awesome. I'm glad you realized that. That is not all you need. All I need is God. No, no. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, and when he walked out of the tomb, it was the people in the crowd who unwrapped Lazarus. That's a perfect example of the Christian life. Jesus rises you from the dead, and your community of believers unwraps your grave clothes. That's how this works. So you and I need to realize that when these things are leveling up, this anxiety, it's time to get the truth that's inside of us out. And not in, I'm going to tell you about you messages, but in that I love you and I need you to know what's true about me. And then love is there and we can make adjustments to those things. Now, as I close this message today, I know this is a, one, it's an incredibly practical message. I also know it's an incredibly uncomfortable one. 
The more we get closer to real life, the more uncomfortable it gets, and I understand that. This isn't comfortable for me either. I have relationships in my life that are struggling. I wish I could say I had them all figured out, but I don't. But I'm giving you tools that God is teaching me. And so as we close this message, I want to talk to you that if you have a relationship in your life that you're struggling with, and maybe how you're handling is dead opposite to what I'm talking about today. I understand. Been there. Still doing that in some relationships. Some people just trigger me. And the worst version of me shows up, and that is never fun. But what I want to offer you today is a chance to be prayed over. Linda, I'm going to ask you to help me at the table as soon as we have the worship team come up. But while we sing these last two songs together, if I can pray over you, I'm going to be over behind the prayer sign. Miss Linda Cornell is going to help me. And if there's, you don't have to tell me anything. All you got to do is say, I need prayer. And I, I just want to pray for you. That's all. You're like, will it help? Usually when I ask God to show up, or when you ask God to show up, He just likes to show up. And so I'm going to offer that to you. I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to come up. We're going to sing a little bit. And if you would like prayer, Linda and I are going to be over there. Father God, I thank you for this chance to talk about your scripture and your principles. Father, uh, to, to look at what Jesus has done and what the apostles have taught and be able to take those things and apply them to a real life. And Father, I know that the more practical we get, often the more uncomfortable we get with those things. But I ask you, Lord, not to let the enemy scare us away from loving each other. And to not let the enemy cheat us out of relationships with each other because we cop out on loving each other by just trying to love each other and not practically doing things that love each other. So I pray that you would help us understand these concepts. Help us today to take this, this message that, was, that covered many things, but it came down to the one simple point. Am I willing to tell you about me? It's a risky thing. It's hard to get to our needs, and it's terrifying to know that we have them, and sometimes it's terrifying to actually realize what they are. But Father, I know that you love us. I know we're here for each other. And so I ask you to help us today to walk in community and relationship. I pray that the series we're going through and the things that you've led us to do later